for leading us uh, in that way. Um, there are a few, if you didn't get some of yesterday's PowerPoint, anyone needing yesterday's, yesterday evening's, so everyone's got. Okay, that's good. And um, we've handed around uh, uh, what is most of what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, ourselves up together. Um, slightly different order, and I'm going to recap a little bit, uh, perhaps summarize up a little bit of what we looked at uh, last night. Uh, but what I've handed out there and what you got yesterday, if you flip between the two, again, pretty much everything uh, that you're going to see on the screen is there. If not, just to say um, we will make available uh, the, the an electronic version of all the slides. So as I say, don't attempt to copy stuff down. If you want to scribble some points down, that's fine. Uh, but please don't treat these as lectures that you have to get every... And note down, just try and sit back and listen, scribble down some key points. And as, as we've said, we are going to go into groups, try and uh, watch the time and give us 15, 20 minutes in a group uh, to pick up on what, what are the practical implications. That's really what the groups will be about. Now, if in the groups you come up with a question that you'd like to come back to me on, we will just at the end of the groups, before the end of the session, sort of come back together and I can pick up on any questions. And I would say as well, if while you're sitting there, I say something and you think, I just didn't get that, can you repeat it? Just stick your hand up. I'm quite happy to stop, interact. If we don't finish the material, that's fine. I believe in the Holy Spirit's leading, and so he's working in you and in me. So together, uh, we may well need, he knows we may well need to discuss something that you're puzzling over. And so if, don't feel uh, at all embarrassed to say, hang on a minute, uh, can you just recap that, or can I ask a question about that? So I'm, I'm quite happy for an interactive kind of style. This is not intended to be lectures in any shape or form, okay? So feel free. In the middle of what I'm saying, just stick your hand up, or we are going to split it to groups too, so opportunities uh, to, to, to chat together about what we're looking at uh, this morning. What on earth uh, is God doing? And trying to explore his purposes. Now, we are actually, uh, if you went to Bible college, it would be called the theology of mission, or some uh, fine-sounding word, or missiology, or something like that. And when we are looking at a, a very serious area of study uh, regarding the purposes of God, and a bit of Latin there, the missio dei, you may have uh, heard that somewhere mentioned, or some preacher or other has come out with it. It's a bit of Latin that basically says what we're saying in English, that what's God's master plan? What is he doing and our understanding and grasping that together is what we're about this morning. Now, why not start with uh, reflecting on one or two serious things about what we're looking at? Um, uh, now, for most of us coming from an evangelical kind of background, then that's a kind of ridiculous question. Is mission biblical? Should Christians all be involved in mission? But maybe you come from a church background where the idea of mission is very much to do with missionaries. Now, the Brethren Church background I come from has had a tendency to think that mission is to do with missionaries. Now, thankfully, we've moved on from that, but maybe you come from another church background that has always understood that mission is what every Christian is supposed to be involved in. And I think there's been a huge right trend towards understanding uh, that every Christian should be involved in mission. And then there's been the sort of question about is 
the Bible missiological and actually a, a realization that when you read the Bible as a whole, and we don't often read the Bible as a whole, we tend to pick little bits of it, but when you read the Bible as a whole, you understand actually the whole of the Bible is a missionary book. It is, it is fundamentally about a God who himself is a missionary God. As uh, you get what we're getting at here, that mission and missionary and things like this are not sort of the, the gift of a few individuals, or mission and missionary are not sort of things that a few of us ought to be concerned about. Actually, mission and missionary, these kind of words and concepts are something of, of which God is fundamentally about, at least in time and space, and that's all we could get our heads around. Uh, and so if you did a quick run through, now we can't possibly do it, but in fact, we've started to do it already this morning, which was great to go back to creation. Uh, and you read passages like Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. You, as we saw last night, God made humanity. And there's a great sense that Genesis chapter 1 leads up to the ultimate point, was let us make human in our own image Male and female, he made them in his image. You get that very real sense that the point of Genesis 1 is us. Now, it's not to make us feel proud, uh, but it's actually to give us the dignity that we're supposed to have. God's intention with all that vastness of creation was to get to us. Then, of course, Genesis 3, we messed it up pretty badly. And at the end of Genesis 3, we are banished from the environment in which God places us, the Garden of Eden. And then we're going to come this morning to look at Exodus. Uh, but Exodus 3 verse 8 is an amazing verse where, do you know what it says in Exodus 3 verse 8? God talking to Moses, burning bush. And uh, God says to Moses, I have heard the cries of my people and I have, it should be underlined in your Bible, I have, I have come down. To deliver my people. Now, of course, God in that sense didn't come down in Exodus chapter 3. He then says, and you, Moses, you're the one to go and rescue the people from Israel. But we get sort of some words there that are really quite crucial. And as we go on through the Bible reading and get into the famous verse of John 3, 16 and so forth, we realize that's exactly what God was going to do. He was going to come down. And he came down and sent his only son uh, so that whoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A God who created us to reflect who he is, who sees us messing up the plan, chooses to come down. That's what mission and missionary is all about. Leaving where you are to go for the sake of others, to enable them to become what they were always intended to be. And so the Bible is mission. In fact, God is a missionary God. God is, this is what God is about. Now, it doesn't limit God. God could be a lot more. I'm sure he is a lot more. But our tiny little minds can only take in so much. And as far as we understand time and space, ourselves and God, God is a missionary God, a God who comes to us in order to deliver us and to take us back to where he had always intended us to be. So we are thinking this weekend a lot about mission, and it has huge relevance to, to who we are, our identity as followers of Jesus, because Jesus is 
the visible expression of the missionary God in action as he becomes human and so forth. Uh, And there are lots of terms and words that we could stop and think about. I'll give you 30 seconds to do this. Sorry, it's always a bit of a rush. But uh, So what do you understand by mission? Now, think about it for 10 seconds and then tell the person next to you what you've just thought. Okay, so I don't want you to think too deeply at this point. Just, you know, what is mission to you? Just tell your neighbor or in threes if you're sitting in threes so nobody gets left out. Um, how would you describe mission? What does mission mean to you? Let's try to put it in, in maybe phrases. Let, let's shout a few phrases out. So just you can shout out what your neighbor said. Uh, or just what are some of the phrases that we've just heard? Maybe you heard it behind you. Somebody said something. Just shout a few things out. Call to action. Task and purpose. Spreading the word. Making disciples. Sending out, building his kingdom, good, keep going, reaching out, yeah, no, that, I, I think we'll quick, as we listen to others, we think, oh yeah, that's part of mission too, and that, and that, and, and we realize that, that there's a lot to it, uh, and, and it is getting, as we are doing this week, getting to understand the purposes of God, so mission carries that sense that there is a, a goal, there's a purpose, there's there's meaning and direction, uh, and getting the direction right is quite crucial. Uh, missionary, uh, just a few terms uh, that we may use over this weekend. Uh, missionary, we often think of missionary as a certain class of people, and there's been significant debate over the last 20, 30 years at least uh, over are all Christians missionaries or are only certain Christians missionaries? And uh, some of us have had the challenge to leave our home cultures and go to another culture, and often we think of missionary as that, but we can think of missionary in this sense as the people of action who are working at God's purposes. So in that sense, yeah, definitely, every Christian uh, should be a missionary if our God is a missionary God. And so what we're doing a little bit is understanding uh, what mission is all about. Uh, And then another word that's come up in recent years, missional. I don't know, have you had a play around with the missional words as a church? What, what is missional to you? Uh, I mean, I could have asked that question. If I use the word missional, are you living a missional life? Uh, what does that mean to you? Why not do that for 20 seconds? What does missional mean to you so far? What does it mean to live a mission? <laughs> but it, it's a, rec- a relatively recently coined word. So if you're not familiar with it, that's fine. It's not a test of intelligence. <laughs> Yeah. 
Okay, so it, 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 it's, it's a word that's become, and it's used in different ways, and, and it has become a whole movement. There are movements of churches that would describe themselves as missional churches, as a, a tribal characteristic, but it has something to do with trying to live out in daily life uh, a sense of purposefulness that my life is fully engaging with the purposes of God. And, and there's a sense in that is what we're digging at this weekend. How can we shape our lives and how can we shape the church's life so that we are actually just lining up with God's purposes, the breadth of God's purposes? Uh, I, I, will, I will just put another rider over what we're doing this weekend too because you could think of mission or the, the, or the purposes of God in terms of what is his mission uh, and then message uh, and then method. Uh, and I will just sort of say very clearly in case by the end of the weekend you're saying, uh, well, you haven't talked much about the gospel and Jesus Christ this weekend. I am not going to talk much about the gospel and Jesus Christ this weekend because, yes, there is a, there's a whole content to be, you said about, what did you say about the word? So share, spreading the word. So, so there is a word to be spread, and that word is Jesus Christ, and there is a whole pile of content there, which is the message that we are communicating. Now, I'm not actually going to spend much time at all this weekend looking into the content of the message, all right? So just so you don't criticize us by Sunday and say, you haven't explained the gospel over the weekend. Well, no, I'm not. We're actually focusing on getting our heads around what is the actual mission in which the Word is a crucial content that people need to hear, understand, believe, and be changed by, but understanding that God has purposes uh, and that there are, there's a method in what he's doing. So we're going to really focus, we're focusing on the mission and a bit on the method, very little on the message. Is that okay? Just so that we're clear uh, as we go forward uh, this weekend. I'll jump over that slide and, and get back to where we were last night. So we're, we're picking on four pictures. Four pictures essentially to understand the mission, uh, and it gives us some direction as to tasks or method, methodology of God. Uh, we're missing out the message bit. These four pictures, uh, as I said last night, are not mutually exclusive, but are worth thinking through as an entity. And that's what we started to do last night with the first one of reproducing himself. It's family language. It's reproductive family language. So it's about parents, children, grandparents, grandchildren. It's family in that sense of reproducing yourself. And the challenges and difficulties of doing that uh, when you think about it, it, it replays itself every time a new human is born. Uh, we're going through the terrible twos uh, with a grandchild living in the house with us. So we're re-experiencing. We're just about at that stage, actually, where uh, he, he's exercising that sense of independence and grappling with how does a new being wanting its own space and identity 
come to terms with the fact that there are other beings in the world <laughs> uh, and you are not the center of the world. <laughs> there are other beings. You know what I mean? We've all been there and we are still there as human beings. And, and in an amazing way, this is what God did. Now, please, I'm saying this respectfully. I'm not saying God went through the terrible twos, but we humans are still going through the terrible twos, I would humbly suggest. Humanity likes to think it has reached some grand high stage of maturity. Frankly, as long as the sun and moon and earth exist, as long as time exists as we know it, we are still in the toddler stage of humanity. We have no idea what the teenage and the, and the mature stage is like. That's in the life to come. Do you get it? As humanity, we're in the toddler stage. And look around the world and you see we're not much better than a bunch of two or three-year-olds when it comes to maturity, even as nations, even with Brexit for that matter. <laughs> I'm being a bit brutal here, but uh, <laughs> history is a horrible habit of repeating itself. Individuals balancing their personal space and self-centeredness with other-centeredness and sharing themselves with others. We're not good at it. We're still learning. Now, we're doing it as an individual. We're doing it collectively as humanity, and we get some idea of what's going on here. So God is working out this amazing plan of creating beings who reflect who he is, and so we are actually moving to becoming a new humanity, and that's what Paul talks about. A lot of these passages we didn't talk about yesterday, uh, but talks about in Christ you are new creation. So there is something utterly new about us. But on the other hand, we are, in a sense, just becoming what we were meant to be, created to reflect the image of God. And the goal of mission, there's a verse, uh, I will read it, and then we're going to jump on to the next picture. Galatians 4.19. Um, it's an amazing verse because it, it, it actually shows us that Paul certainly got this. Obviously, he got this. He was teaching this, for goodness sake. Uh, he understood and teaches very clearly that the goal of mission is clearly not just to get people saved and baptized, although, though that obviously is a crucial stage in mission. But Paul is talking to the, a group of Christians, and you would say perhaps mature Christians. I'm sure they thought they were mature, mature Christians. They were sort of certainly three or four years down the road of faith. Some would argue even 14, 15 years old in the Christian faith. But Paul in Galatians is desperately uh, disturbed by this group of Christians, and it comes out in Galatians 4.19 um, because he's not seeing Christ in them. My children, I am again undergoing birth pains until Christ is formed in you. Now, that's an amazing verse because it draws on two maternal concepts. The concept of a, of a baby developing in a mother's womb and the concept of giving birth. Within that verse, two quite distinct and yet obviously linked and Paul looks at his work in mission as the process of internally, like a mother bearing a child, 
internally developing Christ in other human beings and giving birth to Christ. Do you follow that? So Paul really understands the purposes of God and his his goal as a missionary is to see Christ in other people. And until he sees Christ in the people that he's discipling, then he is in agony, in the agony of childbirth. You get, you get the picture? So it's painful process. And this is what church is supposed to be about. I, I left you with a few questions last night. If you didn't get a chance, uh, we have got the the reflection sheets, I'll pass around in just a, a moment when we go to discussion groups to really reflect on that. Because I, I do think, and as a church in London, we're grappling with this, how do you organize church so that it actually produces Christ-like people? Not numbers on a Sunday, though that's part of it, because if you have no numbers at any day of the week, then you've not got a, a local church. So that's obviously part of it, but actually that's not the core of it. It's a means to an end. And the end is Christ-likeness in the nitty-gritty of daily life. So that was one of our thinking points uh, that we, 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 we got off the ground with uh, last evening. Now I'll just stop there for a second. I'll, I'm going to jump ahead anyway. Uh, but any... And any did any questions or anything out of last night that somebody wants to make a comment on or or ask a question about because we've done it very quickly and I'm aware there are lots of loose ends there and you may have a question on a loose end. Um, <coughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. So that's the summary. It's about producing reflections of himself forming Christ in us with church being defined as an environment in which Christ is grown in one another. Uh, and transformation is the key word, internal transformation, which will show itself then obviously in behavior. But behavior doesn't happen like that. And if you're just working as a church on people's behavior patterns, then you're on to a loser quite honestly. Uh, our focus has got to be on internal transformation. People may not look good for a long time, but as long as they're growing and changing inside, it's okay. The external stuff uh, may, let's be honest, most of us are still struggling with external stuff that hasn't changed, uh, but may change by God's grace. Transformation. I, I, I thought it would be valuable to, to reflect uh, uh, a couple of deeper things, uh, uh, and then jumping to the second question, which we, we've already introduced to. I really love this uh, quote by, well, it's, it's actually not a quote from Balthazar, but somebody summarizing, uh, he's a Catholic, a Roman Catholic theologian, um, well, I say of the last century, but not that long ago, uh, who reflected very deeply on what it means to be human. And uh, I put it like this, that without God, there can be no human person. Not merely in the sense that it is the divine creative power and word which brought human persons into existence. That's creation. Uh, and we understand that. Uh, not only in the sense that human persons, in some deep mysterious sense, are the image of God. And we've, we've reflected on that. So God made us, and he made us to reflect himself 
Uh, And we may have thought, well, that's it, surely. But he adds a third point. And I think this is absolutely vital for us today to get our heads around. That not only were we made by God and made in his image, but the third point he adds, but in the sense that it is relationship to God, as transcendent source and goal, that actually calls forth from each of us our unique selfhoods. Now, You've got it. You'll get it in writing. And those of you who like thinking away at some sort of difficult paragraph that has got an awful lot in it can have a think at that. But just putting it in or rather summarizing it in in sort of three key points. It's not just that God created us or that we are made to be like him, but that we have to be plugged into him, relationship with him, to be human. And that's the bit that our society and world just is so far away from. Because it doesn't even believe that God made them or that they're made in his image. And they're not plugged into him. And that is why humanity is constantly evidencing inhumanity. is because we can only be truly human when we are in relationship with him. When we are out of relationship with him, we actually begin to disintegrate as beings. That's the crucial point being made here. That it is, you cannot be human without a connection to God. Now, there's, there's a lot of implications to that, and I'll leave you <laughs> to think out the implications of that for humans, for society. Uh, but I think it's a really crucial point to get that it's actually a connectedness to God that makes us human, not just because we were made like that. It's a dynamic thing. In space and time, you have to be plugged into God. Otherwise, you deteriorate as a being, ultimately, uh, into ultimate, well, whatever. Hell is the way the Bible describes it, uh, of being separated from God forever. You cannot be... You cannot be interesting to think about that. But we're thinking about the positive dimension of that. And the third, sorry, the second picture then we're looking at this morning is the, is the way that, that God has revealed himself. Now, I'm going to jump over quite a few of the slides that I put up because we've sung them. That was brilliant this morning. Uh, because not only did God make humans in his image to reflect himself, but he actually created everything to, to, in one sense, reveal himself. Now, uh, as we have been thinking about and singing about, and we actually read Psalm, uh, well, we read Psalm 8. There's Psalm 19. Uh, There are a number of Psalms. And then the book of Romans picks up on this truth that everything around us has a purpose. That's why science is so exciting when properly done in relationship to God because everything around us reveals something of the nature and character of God. So God is a revealing God. God is a God. His purpose is to self-disclose. That's his desire constantly to, to, to introduce himself to you. And so as we look at nature, and we've done that already in song this morning, Uh, and then as we then go through scripture, and I I could have picked on any character, but the character I love most is Moses, so so we'll go to Exodus 3, and if you're flipping through in the Bible, feel free to flip through. I think it's a good habit uh, to just keep 
finding passages of Scripture because other times uh, that it's easier to, to get them. So Exodus 3, uh, we've already referred to it, Moses and the burning bush experience where God says, I, I have come down to deliver, to rescue my people. As part of that passage, Moses asks that question, well, who are you, God? Uh, if I go to the Israelites and say, God has said, which God? Who are you? What is your name? And, and we get this amazing uh, revelation. <laughs> and yet, is it a revelation? God introduces himself to Moses with Yahweh, which is by translation, I am or I will be what I will be. And, and in a sense, it's almost a joke, isn't it? In that sense, God is saying, I will be what I will be. I will not be restricted by a name. Because often we use names to put boxes around people, identify them. In that sense, God can't be identified. But one of our songs earlier too, later in the story of Moses, uh, and there is this wonderful description of how God reveals himself to Moses. Have you ever done that study through Exodus to Deuteronomy? Not the journey from Egypt to Canaan, but the revelation of God to an individual, Moses. The relationship between... Remember, Moses, in the end, God describes him as a close friend. Moses and I, face to face. So actually, the Pentateuch is about God revealing himself to an individual as well as to a nation. I am who I am, the compassionate, gracious God, long-suffering, ever-faithful and true, remaining faithful to thousands of generations. And it's important to get this contrast because the next bit is quite challenging. Remaining faithful to thousands of generations, but holding accountable the wrongdoings to the third and fourth generation. And there's grace and mercy within that. God doesn't punish for thousands of generations, but his love is through the thousands of generations. Uh, the character and nature of God. So God reveals himself to Moses by name, in one sense inexplicable, in another sense very reasonable and understandable as we get to know God as a person. And so as we get to know God and Moses got to know God and we get to know God through Scripture, we see something of the nature of God in his vastness, power, creation, his authority, uh, and we get to know the character of God, which is this beautiful balance of love, grace, mercy, patience, with faithfulness, justice, and holding account a holy love. Uh, and then, and what is really interesting in that Exodus 3 passage, and I'll let you go and read it for yourself. Uh, on one hand, God introduces himself as Yahweh, which becomes the personal name of God. I am what I am. That whole beautiful paragraph of compassionate, gracious, merciful, just. But then he also says something else to Moses. He introduced himself to Moses in another way. Can you remember? In that same passage in Exodus 3, he says the classic uh, self-introduction uh, of God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's interesting. Yesterday we were introducing ourselves to one another, weren't we? 
Uh, it's interesting listening to how God introduces himself. So he introduces himself to Moses as the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And very, very quickly, we see that, that, that God is a God of relationships. On, on one hand, he is unknowable. I am what I am. On the other hand, he can be explained in the kind of characteristics, loving, gracious, patient, just. Uh, On the other hand, he can be understood as in relationship with people. Uh, This is the, uh, the amazing understanding of the nature and character of God, that God is a relationship God, a God who reveals himself, but I've added the word relationships in here. It's not just that God is revealing himself, but he is revealing himself in relationships. And he's revealing himself as a relational God. What's the other facet about God that clearly fits in here? How, how, sorry? Triune, the Trinity. This, this idea that God is one but is actually a community of persons. Now, now, we're sitting here thinking, yeah, I know all of this. I've heard all of this before, and good if we've got all of this before. Um, Perhaps we we don't realize just how uniquely different this is from other religions in the world or other philosophies of life. To have a God who is a community of persons— in perfect living, working harmony, each distinct, yet equal, respectful, and yet headship, etc., within that community. It is really, and that's another amazing study, but the point I'm just drawing on here is it is about relationships, and essentially it is about ourselves, because God is the other that he seeks in relationship, not because God needs us, but God has chosen to do it this way because of who he is, I would suggest, or the Bible clearly teaches. God has acted this way because this is his nature. His nature is relationships, personal and relational. And so the fact that he made us the way he has made us and calls us to be what he has called us to be, it's because relationships are what matters. So if yesterday it was being the children of God is all that matters, being a reflection of Christ, today we're saying being in relationships, and yes, it is all about relationships. Remember what I said yesterday? I'm going to give you four alls. So it's all about relationships. You've probably heard that before too. Relationships are that crucial. Again, from Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, you, you could see it all the way through. Creating Adam, human, male, on his own. You know that whole story? Why is it there about there was no suitable equivalent helper to Adam. It's teaching us the crucial importance of relations. Not marriage, per se. Human companionship, of which marriage is, uh, is a really key example. Uh, and of course, it isn't just the movement from a garden to a city, but it is also uh, the picture of, uh, somebody brought it to me yesterday, of marriage itself. That the church is the bride of Christ. And so as we reflect on this picture and understanding, we have this amazing truth that God created 
others so that he can relate to them. And so developing relationships is absolutely core to understanding the Christian faith. Now, just for a, a few moments to, to think about the, um, the message side of it, just so that we connect it in. So we understand that as God created humans and we chose independence, back to the toddler picture, uh, God created a space where he was not and put us into it. And we decided that we were gods and it was our space, not God's space. You get the idea? Uh, we fall, we fell, we fall, uh, we continually demonstrate that, and then God becomes human in order to make that reconciliation possible. That's the bit we're very familiar with. The bit that we're focusing on this morning is the crucial nature of relationships. And understanding, therefore, that to, to function in relationships Having restored our relationship with God, if I may uh, maybe jump to the task and then we'll split into groups uh, pretty soon. If, if it's all about relationships and if God created us humans in order to enjoy a relationship with us, then mission is about growing in my relationship with God and enabling others to grow in their relationship with God because, and there's a purpose in that, because God is revealed through relationships. I, I, I do believe because of the nature of creation that all relationships reveal something of God to people. So a good marriage, a good friendship, uh, a good peaceful relationship between communities, whether they are Christians or not, Reveal the nature of God. Do you follow that? Okay. God is revealed through relationships. So if, if I am living in really good relationships in my workplace, in church, in family, then the very fact of demonstrating working relationships, I am revealing God to people. Now, that, that's not all there is to it, but that is a crucial part of it. And it begins to help us see just how life can be totally lived missionally. Constantly revealing God, in this case, focusing on uh, relationships. So let's, uh, could you pass those rounds? Um, and um, let's maybe just at this point, just go into groups and allow a bit of feedback and discussion. Um, how are we going to do the groups? Who, who are the ones? Or oh, Trish, do you have some idea? 